if other folks can see this and know that I do really good work and I'm serious about my craft or whatever, why is it so hard for me to be like, yes, this is what will be transformative for you when working with me. And I just don't know why the hell I can't say it or communicate it. Welcome to the Smart Gets Paid podcast with me, Leah Niederthal. I help women land higher paying clients in their independent consulting businesses, but I've never been a salesperson. My background is in corporate marketing. And when I started my first consulting business, I learned pretty quickly that it's about a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is to sell someone else's. So I taught myself how to do it and I created the sales approach that I now share with my clients so they can feel more comfortable in the sales process, get more of the right clients, and get paid way more for every client contract. So whether your client contracts are $5,000, $100,000 or more, if you wanna work with more of the clients you love, do more of the work you love and get paid more than you ever thought you could, then you're in the right place. Let's do it together. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to rate, review and share. Hey there, Leah here and thanks for tuning in. I hope that wherever you're listening to this, wherever you are right now, you are having a good week, making some good progress on your business, and taking some time for you. So it's been an interesting few weeks. I had a birthday a few weeks ago. Thank you. Thank you. I turned 43. And something actually funny happened like a few days before. I, for the first time in like a few years, thank you, COVID, but for the first time in a few years, I got my eyes checked. And you guys, I need reading glasses. That was my present from the optometrist. Like, welcome to 43, you need reading glasses. And it's like the lowest amount, lowest number or whatever. But I was like, oh my God, I just, I didn't think this would happen so fast. And then I decided I'm gonna embrace this. I've already embraced the gray hair. I've embraced getting older. I recently got new makeup, it's Jones Road, if you know that brand. It's Bobby Brown's new line, which is like basically for like middle-aged women. And by the way, it's amazing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to embrace it. So I rushed out. I bought some reading glasses from this brand. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called Caddis. They've been targeting me hardcore on Facebook for years, like just waiting for this moment to happen. And so I got some reading glasses. I'm actually wearing them right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've just decided to embrace it. And, you know, I think my favorite quote about aging is one I read in a book a few years ago. It says, aging is nothing to be afraid of, especially when the entire human race is in it together. And, you know, when you think about it like that, it's like, why fight it? And so if you are a proud reading glasses owner, wearer, post about it, talk about it, tell me about it, tag me, I want to see. Because let's be in this together. Okay, so let's get into the episode, shall we? So in this episode, we're tackling what... I'm just going to say right now is the hardest part of learning how to get clients, learning how to do business development. And that is positioning your work as a painkiller, the solution to your client's number one problem, as opposed to a vitamin, which is something that's nice to have, but not critical to your clients. And the difference is, you know, Everybody knows they need to take vitamins, but if you go to the store and forget to buy vitamins, you're like, mm, I'll get it next time. No big deal. But if you're really in pain, you're going to go to the store and purposely get the thing that will solve that pain, right? 
And we've talked about this a lot in a bunch of episodes, how important it is to position your work as a painkiller. Because when you can position your work as a painkiller, there are so many positive effects on your business. You start to attract the right clients who have that exact pain and want to solve it. It makes your marketing more effective and more resonant with your ideal clients. It helps clients understand your value even from that first interaction with you or even if they just see you on LinkedIn. And it puts you on the level of value in your conversations so you're not trying to convince them of the value you provide. It lets you charge and get paid more and it helps your main contact sell you in inside the company or the organization. So suffice it to say, there are so many positive effects when you have a great painkiller statement. So positioning your work as a painkiller is a really important part of this process. And for many of the women I work with, it's a necessary first step so that they can start to get the consulting clients they really want. But, this is a big but, but it is also the hardest part of the process because you really have to tap into your client's pains and how they want things to be different. So you can really craft a message that speaks to the future that your clients want. And it's different even than what we see from branding people or marketing people or marketing support. Like I can tell from a mile away if your messaging or your value proposition is going to work in a sales environment. And sadly, what I see is most of the time it won't because it reads like marketing language and doesn't necessarily work in a sales environment. And so going through this process is frustrating, especially for the women I work with, many of whom are really good with words and come from a marketing background like me. And, you know, let's be honest, all of whom are used to getting things right the first time. But even though you might be so good at doing it for your clients or for other people, it's so hard to do it for yourself. It's just really hard to read the label from inside the bottle. And so that process and that frustration is what we're talking about in this conversation, in this episode with one of my clients. She's gone through the painkiller statement training in the academy. She's brought her painkiller statement to coaching calls and to the feedback forum to workshop it with us. And still, it's just not coming together for her, which is actually quite common. This process can take some time and letting it marinate and having some conversations with people and whatnot. But it's a totally normal process. And like I said, it's frustrating. So the moment that you're dropping in on in this conversation is the moment where her frustration is at its peak. And so if you've ever struggled with your own messaging or your painkiller statement, and you've been frustrated because you can do this so well for your clients or for other people, but it's so hard to do for yourself, then I know you'll get a lot from this episode. And one quick note on this, at the moment when you start to listen in, what you should know is also that just before that, my client had shared with me that her son had been sick with a cold that had progressed and gotten, you know, a lot worse. And he had actually been in the hospital for several days and had finally just come home. So that's the moment you're dropping in on. I want to send a huge thank you to my client for allowing me to share this conversation with you. Take a listen, and at the end, I'll come back and share a lesson that you can apply to your business. The purpose of this call is just to check in, see how you're doing on the things that you've been tackling so far. Because I know, you know, when, you, when you're super motivated and you just start and you're like, ah, I want to do all the things. Right. Um, I want to make sure that A, you don't do all the things because that will drive you insane. And uh, B, that you feel really good about what you're working on so that you can keep moving forward and and we don't turn a sticking point into a stopping point. Yeah, well, that's a really good, it's <laughs> a really good phrase because I'm like, huh. Um, I think, well, overall, I think things are going well. Honestly, these past two weeks have been 
weird for me because I haven't been really as focused as I'd like to be. But before that, I felt like I was on a roll with, you know, the coursework and, and asking questions. And so I'm hoping to get back on that this week. You know, my biggest thing right now is really communicating my value. I'm, I'm having the hardest time with that. And, and I play around with, you know, what I should say or possibly focus on. And I just don't think I'm where I'd like to be in terms, even in terms of just the progress of where I'd like to be, because I, I think I'm in my head about it. I'm always in my head about it, whatever. That just goes without saying, but I just don't know for a person that's like a wordsmith. Like I, I have all the words. I have no words to communicate my value. And I find, I feel like it's starting to affect how I show up with my client, like prospective clients. And it's kind of bothering me actually a lot. And I don't want that to be, I don't know why I'm getting like tears are welling in my eyes right now. That's crazy. Um, I don't want that to be the stopping point that you were mentioning. Oh my God. Maybe I'm just like, maybe my menstrual cycle is coming. I have no idea what's going on why I'm crying right now. <laughs> well, I mean, oh my it's, God. it's frustrating, but let's hold space for it because yeah, it needs to come out. That's you know? so crazy. I, I, I don't know. It's like, it snuck up on me. It was like, I'm here and I want to get out. So well, yeah. You, and let's, yeah. let's also just acknowledge that everything in our lives is like super connected. You know, you're feeling frustrated that you can't get this like painkiller statement and you know, the, the messaging that follows from it. Like right. I I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I wouldn't be surprised or, you know, you, you wouldn't be faulted for also like some frustration comes out from other what you know, your kid's been sick for nine days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can't, you can't knock that either. Right. Like despite your best efforts. So I and feel, I feel like let's just sort of hold space for all the ways that f- frustration needs to come out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. And maybe I feel like I've just been bottling it up and I haven't really talked about it maybe, you know, and so it's like, ah, it's coming up. So yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's well, what's, what's, what's the most frustrating? I mean, you know, you're like, okay. So I mean, oh God, I, so just yesterday got notice that I've been nominated as an outstanding. And this is kind of crazy because I, you know, I'm not, I'm running my own thing. I'm not even at a big firm anymore. And so I, I've been nominated for this award and I'm like, I did that on my own. Like, oh my God, you know, like, and so it's a really big deal. And, and yet I'm like, why is this so hard? If other folks can see this and know that I do really good work and I'm serious about my craft or whatever, why is it so hard for me to be like, yes, this is what will be transformative for you when working with me. And I just don't know why the hell I can't say it or communicate it, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, can you, can you just, you sort of buried the lead there, like literally with the, because you were, you know, emotional and you were talking about how you were named in something. I literally thought you would be like, I was named in a lawsuit or like something. <laughs> 
Like I was named as the, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'm glad it's really good news. And also that's amazing. That's fucking amazing. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Thanks. (laughs) What would it, what would it feel like, or what would it look like to just be able to like, you know, celebrate that without also pairing it with this other lack. Oh, you're okay. I see what you're saying. Why not just like kind of celebrate the fact that this nomination has happened for you. Just kind of let that live. Just let it live. Right. Like what would that feel like? No, it's great. It's great. I'm also, I'm guilty of not being able to focus on the moment as much because I'm like that futuristic person, I guess, like from that, one of my Clifton strengths is futuristic. And I guess sometimes it makes it hard for me to live in the, in the moment, but it's great. It's great. It's fantastic. I am, I am super proud and yeah, no, I, I'm like, oh my God, that's great. And then I start thinking, okay, well, I need to talk. But all these other, right. But all these other things, you know, including the flavor of that, that you brought to this conversation, which was, you know, if I really, if I'm really that good, why can't I figure that out this one thing that seems to be so obvious to other people? Or I guess the flip side of that is like, they must like, either I must not be that great. If I can't figure this, you know, this, this is like a lie, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just a different version of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. And I feel like like I'm a fraud. I must be a fraud if I can't figure that out this one thing. Or not even a fraud. It's not, it's not that I feel like a fraud. Cause I, one thing that I'm really good at is, is finding the evidence to back shit up. And so I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know this is real because I have this here saying it's real. Um, I think the problem is I don't even want to say it because it sounds crazy, but it's like, it's almost like you must be missing something in your brain if you can't see that you're smart. Like you're smart, but you don't see it. And that's weird, you know? And so I feel like there's like a, or you're valuable, but you can't, it's like everything is pointing to you as valuable. So I can, I can, I can literally say with confidence, like, oh, you know, I can do this thing and I can do that thing, but it's the value piece that's missing for me. It's like, I don't even know how to explain this to you. Like what I'm trying to say is like that transformation that you talk about that your clients will feel and go through. It's hard for me to grasp what that looks like being such a very analytical person where I'm like, okay, so here's, here's the data here. Here's what I know to do and how to do it. But thinking on that next level that I almost, uh, I think is cerebral to an extent. I'm like, I don't know how to get there. I don't know if there's a piece missing and I almost feel incompetent because I can't access it. You know, Mm. that's the word that I was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very, that line of thinking is so, I think like almost natural for people like you and me who are, we value our own smarts. Other people value our smarts. We've, we've been told that we are smart. We ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
And so the risk there is if you can't figure it out, it's like, well, then you must not be that smart. Right. right. It's like, yeah. that's, the, that's the first thing to go. Not, you know, this process is really difficult. We're trying to find a, you know, the, the process of like the coming up with your messaging and, and your value. Like it's, it's the hardest thing. Can I tell you though that, okay, so I've been doing this for a long time, right? I wrote the training, right? I, I coach on this. It's some, still something I struggle with hmm. because it's sort of an evolution it's, it evolves as your business evolves. And so you might just be like in a tough moment with it. You know, you'll sort of get through the fog and you'll, it'll, it'll sort of clear up and, and then you'll go through it again. Not because again, cause you did something wrong, but because you'll have more data, you'll have more evidence, right? You'll have more evidence. Like, so, so let's look at the evidence though. Like, mm-hmm. Do you, do you have any way to capture good results that you've gotten with your clients or like good feedback, good testimonials? I have testimonials. I mean, I I guess the results are when the project ends and we've successfully completed the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know. So I have that. And then I also have testimonials from clients and yeah, what I don't have is what I feel like is that trans, I don't know, I keep calling it a transformation, but it it seems to me so forward looking. So for example, working with you, one of the ways that you can see success and transformation may be, oh, well, look at how she grew her business over these past couple months or years or what have you. For me, I don't get that insight for clients. I get a... I've helped you do this thing successfully. And now you can go on and build whatever you're building and continue to do whatever you're doing, hopefully grow and all of that. And so it's almost like once our project ends, then it's over, you know? And so I'm like, well, how do I talk about transformation when the only thing I really see is up until the point of the project's completion? And that normally... They're very short-lived and they're very specific things that I'm helping them with. If that's, I think that answers your question. But I was just like thinking, well, how do you transfer, how do you like transfer that into some sort of transformational speak? I don't know. Well, I, I feel like the transformation, a couple things. Just because your work is on a thing doesn't mean that that thing isn't transformational, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the value of that thing isn't just the thing, right? The value is what it allows them to do. Um, and also it feels like you're really like a, what is it? What is the word I'm looking for? Like a sort of rigid definition of transformation. Yeah. I wonder if that's sort of holding you back. I wonder if the reason I was asking about the, the testimonials and stuff is like, is there anything in there that we can look at for evidence, right? Like mm-hmm. the other thing is I'd be interested in hearing how you're having some of these early conversations because that's to, that's a little bit of what we uncover in the discovery calls, right? Why is this important to you? What is it about? Why now? You know, all those other questions because those will start to give you more evidence, you know? And if you start to record those, if you can, you can go back and or give them to your admin and like start to pull out some of the reasons why people are coming to you. 
I mean, you're, yeah, I want to start recording those, those discovery calls. I feel like maybe part of the work is to ask a specific set of questions because I don't think I'm getting to that pain really because people, I I feel like I need to come up with some tailor-made questions to ask to get down to the nitty-gritty of really why they're coming to me because some people say stuff like well I just heard you were really good and I'm like well thanks but that doesn't tell me much you know and Mm -hmm. so then we just kind of go into the rigmarole of me figuring out what they need and then me telling them okay yeah I can do that and then that but then it's superficial right it's not this really yeah which you I feel like you your most of the cohort here has those like those types of clients that are like, yeah, but we really need to be powerful and all of that. And I'm just like, yeah, nobody's saying that to me, you know? So not yet, not Not yet. As you're gathering evidence, Mm -hmm. I think we just have to sort of put a, a plant a flag, like put a stake in the ground. And what if we just said like, let's put a stake in the ground and let's collect evidence for another 60 days. Right. But let's, let's just give ourselves a break. Like, let's just let up a little bit, gather evidence after 60 days. If we have more evidence that let's, that's informed something, then let's adjust. But with this practice, it's very easy to just hold on so tight for so long that you just like, you know, if this was like a real, you know, barbell, you know, you just get Mm -hmm. so fatigued, you have to put it down at some point. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so when we just get to a point where we'd like put a stake in the ground, write it for one person, write it for one person. Do you know what I'm saying? And so anyway, write it for one person. The other thing I want, the other thing I wanted to share with you is remember that this statement lives in the ecosystem of the rest of your messaging. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to have on your website or your LinkedIn or whatever, you're sort of surrounding it with other stuff. So it doesn't have to do the whole heavy lifting. Does that make sense? Yeah. And maybe with that, I feel like having the value statement has been my North star almost. And like, if I can crack this code, then maybe it'll make the rest of my messaging better. But please tell me if that's like the wrong thinking, like me, because I'm like, oh, this will be a top down process, right? I have the value statement and it will start, you know, influencing everything. But then, but maybe you're saying, actually, this is bottom up, or maybe they're happening simultaneously. I say simultaneously. Okay. Simultaneously. Okay. The other thing, so, right. Simultaneously, because sometimes like even, you know, writing a paragraph on your website is like a really good forcing function. Right. You know, and it will illuminate something that that Mm -hmm. sort of comes up. The other thing I want you to start doing is anytime you hear like literally here on calls or you're getting emails or any, anything that you is shared with you that you think is like a good phrase, just capture it and put it somewhere Mm -hmm. when you're taking notes on sales calls. Like my, my very basic system is I just highlight it in like, in like cyan. So I don't forget it. You know, I like back and I can find it easily and then I copy it and I throw it into a doc. It's like good messaging, you know? Mm-hmm. So somebody a few years ago said, um, I, I was looking for a phrase. I didn't know I was looking for a phrase, but I had struggled to, to like capture the fact that the, the women I work with want to work hard, but 
Anyway, whatever. Somebody said on a sales call, I'm not afraid of hard work. I just wanted to be the right work. Mm. And I was like, grab it, like grab it, (laughs) capture it. And it became part of my messaging, right? So so Mm. you don't have to come up. Uh, Another reason why you're not dumb if you can't figure this out is because you don't have to come up with it all by yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I actually haven't put on ears for that while being on. And so I can challenge myself to, like I am an active listener, but now thinking about, well, what if they have something useful to say in terms of messaging, I can start to think about that too. Yeah, something that captures it or you think is catchy or just you want to start to play around with. Right. But yeah, I think that another thing you eliminated is this pressure, right? First, you want pressure. There's pressure because you want to figure it out. But but secondly, you think that it'll sort of unlock all this other stuff. And it is this multi-directional process, right? So yeah, that's fair and, and helpful because again, I was thinking about this in a very rigid way, which is okay, I need to know this so it can influence everything else. And that's why I've been feeling stuck in a way. So it's good yeah. to know. It's like, you know, it's top yeah. down, bottom up, totally side to side, maybe. Okay. <laughs> totally. Well, so yeah, like get yourself to a point where you, it's good enough for today and then give yourself a little bit of a break and then gather evidence and then come back. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. You're doing great. Oh my gosh. There are so many things we can pull out in this conversation. There were a few tips that I shared about how to make writing your painkiller statement easier, like using testimonials and capturing clients' words, writing it for one person. So you can go back and listen to those and they might help you. And depending on what stuck out for you, you can spend some time thinking about some of the other themes that emerged for me as I was listening to this conversation. There's the idea of imposter syndrome and how it feels when other people tell you that you're killing it. But since you know your everyday struggles, it feels like you're lying or being disingenuous. There's the idea that came out that for those of us who are told that we're smart all our lives, when we run up against something that we can't figure out, why do we always blame ourselves, right? Like if we've heard that all our lives, wouldn't the idea that we're smart be the last thing to go? Why is it the first thing to go? Or what stuck out for you might be how connected our personal lives and our business lives are and why we need to be compassionate with ourselves when things go wrong in one or the other. All of these ideas are connected and you'll find them all in this conversation. So you can pick one of those themes and sort of talk amongst yourselves. And if there's one that stuck out for you in particular, I'd love for you to post it on LinkedIn, tag me and tell me, you know, in what ways it spoke to you. But I wanted to pick one thing to leave you with. And it's this idea that getting your painkiller statement dialed in will make everything easier. You heard my client saying like, won't this be easier after this? And it's this assumption that if you get through this one hard thing, it's gonna unlock a bunch of things, right? Clients will start flooding to you. I think the unspoken hope here among nearly everybody, sometimes even including myself, is that once you unlock this thing, you won't have to actually do anything for business development again. And like, wouldn't that be awesome? You know, you just get through this big hard thing and like everything else is cake. But as we've talked about in previous episodes, and as we talk about a lot in the academy, doing business development to get clients, it's kind of like if your business is a car, you have to press the gas pedal to move the car. 
And I think a lot of people hope that you press your foot on the gas once and the car will go forever. And that's just not how it works with cars. And it's not how it works when you're running a consulting business. The way it actually works in cars and in business is that you press your foot on the gas pedal, the car goes, you keep it on the gas pedal, maybe not pressing so hard, but pressing a little bit so the car continues to go. When you need to go faster, you press your foot harder, but most of the time your foot is on the gas just a little bit. And you do that to, of course, move the car forward, but you also do that to ensure that you're always planting seeds to get clients down the road so that you're never caught flat-footed and without any business, right? Or with less business that you want or less business than you need. So a painkiller doesn't make everything easier from that perspective. You know, you will still have to do actual business development, but it does make things easier in one very important way that has a lot of downstream effects because it starts to signal the right clients. And when you can do that, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of things actually do get easier. And this comes up a lot with my clients and it's why this painkiller concept is so important to get right. I was talking to one of my clients the other day. We were just doing a scan of her sales process and talking through where some of the holes might be and where she needs to focus to start getting more of the clients she wants and you know getting paid more, et cetera. And so we were going through things like, you know, how do you feel about your sales conversations? And she was like, well, I feel okay on sales conversations, but I don't think I'm talking to the right people. And then when we talked about navigating the jungle, you know, like helping your clients, your main contact, navigate the internal decision process inside the company to get your work sold in, she said to me, you know, things kind of stall out because I don't think that the decision makers really see the value. And then when we got to the part about pricing, she was like, people tell us that we're too expensive. But again, she said, I think that's because we're not selling to the right people. So when you have your painkiller statement dialed in, all that becomes easier. And yet, you still have to do business development. You will still have to show up. You still have to know how to lead a sales process. You still have to press the gas. But when you have a great painkiller statement and you know how to press the gas in a way that works for you and your business, that's when your business starts to really move forward and you become unstoppable. 